Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. It's my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would use me as a vessel in your hand today, Lord. Let them see through me and see you, Lord. And I pray that as this message goes out, it changes our hearts, it changes our minds, it changes the way we talk, the way we think, the way we act, Lord, that it would permeate our heart, Lord. And that we would become more like you, Father. That we would never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Sorry. I had to wipe my eyes because I couldn't read. Everything was blurry. There we go. With Thanksgiving. So obviously the the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we're going to have a Thanksgiving message. And then we have next week, we're going to... Grab a... I'm going to grab a mic. In all things, be thankful and grateful. Amen? So I have a few quotes and a few things I want to do today. And uh, like I said, next week we're going to talk about unity. But in the 18th century classic, A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life, uh, William Law made this following statement. Would you know who is the greatest saint in the world? It is not he who prays most or fasts most. It is not he who gives most alms or is most eminent for temperance, chastity, and, or justice, but it is he who is always thankful to God, who wills everything that God wills, who receives everything as an instance of God's goodness and has a heart always ready to praise God for it. Could you therefore... Work miracles? You could not do more for yourself than by this thankful spirit, for it turns all that it touches into happiness. It's pretty on the, on the money there. You, know, you could do all kinds of things. You can operate in the spirit. You can give. You can uh, uh, you know, visit people in the hospital and, and do all these kind of things. But if you're not thankful, I think that's what Revelation's uh, uh, talks about and says you can do all these things, but if you if you you've lost your way, you've lost your first love, and I think that first love because you lose your grateful. Let me let me uh, uh, take a little side road here, if you wouldn't mind. Um, so, you're 
dating, you know, some of you who've been married a long time. And uh, we were at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky on Friday. And uh, what, a, what an amazing thing. I, I encourage everyone to go there. But, um, w- you know, I talk to everybody. So we were sitting there, and there's a little bench, and there's these uh, uh, couple of uh, older guys. And uh, I'm trying to find the right words because I don't want to, you know. There's a couple older guys that says, is this where the guys sit while the women shop? He goes, yep, this is where you sit. So it was a little, a little gift shop or whatever. So I sat down. They were from Asheville, North Carolina, so we automatically hit it off. My, my wife and I and our kids have been there 10, 15 times or more uh, on vacation. We just love that area. But um, So we started talking. He was married 58 years. 58 years. I was like, wow, man, I've only been married 33, and, you know, I, you know one day we're going to get there. And I told him a little story about how my wife uh, said she would stay with me for another 30 years at our 30th anniversary, so that's 60 years. And he, you know, he was like, oh, that's great. And uh, so we started talking, and, he, and his wife finally came over, and I was like, oh, he was telling stories and talking about you and, uh, you know, saying things about you. And she goes, and I know they were all good. And I was like, yes, ma'am, they were all good. And uh, he goes, because I'm so grateful for her. That He didn't say, I love her. But the fact that he's grateful for her says he loves her. Right? The fact that he said, I am so thankful and grateful for my wife says that he loves her. We say, oh, we lose our first love. No, what you lost is the thankfulness of who you're with, the gratefulness of being with that person. See, in this uh, quote that I said, law makes a great point. When you see God at work and respond to what he is doing with thankfulness instead of resistance. Now, God sometimes does things, and it's not always good, at least to us, but he knows the outcome. You will develop many uh, of the virtues he describes. So in John chapter 6, remember last week we did the, the 12 baskets of miracles. We talked about that and how they were out there. We're going to kind of use... Uh, The same story here out of John chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. It says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here. Now, Jesus is trying to say, we got to feed him. And they're like, well, let's send him off. Tell him to go. You know, they were trying to get out of uh, having to feed him. So send him off so they can get back in time to buy food or make food or whatever. And he says, no, you feed them, which is, uh, you know, I like to preach that. But he said, you feed them. He says, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many people? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, just the men, 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise, the fish, as much as they wanted. They were thankful for that little bit, and now they got all that they could ever want. Do you get it? If you're just thankful for that little bit, you'll, be, you'll get more than what you could ever want. You'll get your needs met and your wants met. See, your wants change when you add thankfulness. All of a sudden, I no longer want that bigger house or that nicer car or that why because I'm so grateful for the one I have. 
My want has been met. Your vision changes. The way you see life changes. Everything changes with gratitude. Give thanks. He distributes them to the disciples. The disciples are sitting down. Likewise, fish is the one who's wanted. So there, they, um, so when they were filled, because <laughs> of gratefulness, you end up filled. He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Remember the 12 baskets on the boat. This word thanks is the word eucharistio, where we get the word eucharist, which is what's sitting on these tables on both sides of me here this morning. It's which, what the Catholics call communion, eucharist. Jesus gave thanks for that little boy's lunch, and it increased the value of what he had. An attitude of gratitude increases the value of everything. So instead of complaining about not being able to feed the multitudes, what did he do? He didn't complain. He gave thanks. Thank you for this little bit that's going to meet all our wants and all our needs. We need to follow this example of Jesus and not be those that complain about what we don't have and be thankful for what we do have. Thankful people are faithful people. Thankful people are faithful people. Because people who are thankful have time to be faithful. People who are not grateful or not thankful are always spending their time trying to get more so that they can be thankful for more. I want more, I want more, I want more. We, listen, we live in the most ungrateful nation in the world. It's the best nation in the world, but the most ungrateful nation in the world. I think the example of the 12 baskets is, is a good example. He picked up every crumb and put it in baskets so nothing would go to waste. The, the first time I visited Brazil, we stayed at uh, Margie's sister's. I think we stayed at her house, but I remember uh, she had, she doesn't live there anymore, but she had a house with a pool in the back because she was a, 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 a swimming instructor, and uh, her house was right in the corner, and they had these poles in the ground in front of each little house. They had these poles in the ground with a little basket. It looked like uh, Frisbee golf. You ever seen those baskets? That's what it looked like without the chains, like little baskets. And one time a week, the garbage would come. And the garbage for the entire household fit inside that little basket. It was like this big around with a pole down the middle of it. Little, like the little, uh, uh, you know, supermarket bags. They'd have three or four of those. They, they not, anything that could be reused was reused. They have these, uh, <laughs> uh, these little glass cups. They're about this big, and they put hekejong, which is a, uh, uh, a cheese in it. It's like a cream cheese, but it's real. It's much softer. It's 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 heavenly. But when you're done with the cream cheese, you take that cup and you wash it and you put it in your in your cabinet because it becomes your it becomes a cup. You use it to drink out of and to right everything. I mean, the, their milk came in. Uh, 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 cardboard boxes like a little carton and they would roll it up because that one you couldn't use over and over they would roll it up into a little thing like that and they would put it in the bag and I'm like when does the garbage come you guys you know says oh w once a week we have dumpsters big blue huge dumpsters 
and they come twice a week sometimes, and the dumpster doesn't close because of all our garbage. Because we throw everything away. It's not worth fixing that. I went and had some shoes fixed. I mean, when was the last time you guys did that? I had some shoes resold. I really like the shoes. They're lambskin. So, you know, I, I bought them at a store, and the guy goes, they're lambskin. I looked and looked, and I said, it doesn't say they were soft leather. And I said, he goes, no, no, at night when you put them in the, in the closet, they go, <laughs> but he, he was Egyptian, so he was trying to be funny. But <laughs> anyway, I still buy shoes and stuff from him. But <laughs> uh, no, where was I? Oh, I went to get my shoes fixed, and I went in. It's a Colombian guy here in, in Deland. has been there forever. And I go, how do you stay in business? I mean, do people still fix shoes? He goes, well, I got to figure that sooner or later people are going to die away that are not, are not going to fix their shoes anymore. You know, the older people who still do are not going to do it anymore. And I'm going to have to close the business. But for now, I'm the only guy around, so he gets all the, the shoe business to fix and, you know, and all that. that that's gone away. Why? Because you wear them out, you throw them away, and you buy new ones. I'm the shoe guy. I got a gift certificate in the mail for Tommy Bahama because I buy a lot of stuff from them. And I bought these shoes. <laughs> Not like I need shoes, but they were cool looking. So I had to buy them, right? And they were practically free. I, I, I may have exaggerated a little bit. My wife, now I can't, I'm standing up here. I'm under the anointing of the Lord. I, how can I, you know, I can't do that. I'm preaching the word. So they were almost free. They were almost free. I still got the receipt. I can send them back. But they're so comfortable. So <laughs> thankful people are faithful people. Jesus was thankful for the boys' lunch, and because he gave thanks, he was faithful in feeding the people when his disciples were like, send them away. Jesus was like, no, no, we feed them. They've been here all day. We've been preaching to them. Let's feed them. Like I was sitting there watching that video, I'm crying, I see the homeless guy, that one broke, you know, I have a real heart for the homeless people, and I know, I know, they got two legs, they should be working, and you know, I think all those things too, but I worked in, the, in, the, in that ministry for a long time, and, and found out a lot of things that, that we don't know about these people, but I saw him come to the door, and, and I started, and then I heard behind me, it, I had to, I didn't know it was you until I got up here, I heard behind me, oh, it's okay, I'm used to being alone on Thanksgiving. And the Lord says, don't let her be alone on Thanksgiving. So, uh, and I didn't ask my wife, I hope that's okay, she's going to come over. And I think she's, I think she's making turkey, but I'm, I'm making pork. So, <laughs> I hope that's okay, okay, all right, all right. Turkey. <laughs> I'm alone too, I'm alone too. <laughs> I'm alone too. <laughs> Thanksgiving minus complaining equals peace. Oh, I need peace in my life. Oh, I need peace in my life. Quit complaining. Stop complaining about what you don't have. Stop complaining about what you do have, right? And start being thankful, and all of a sudden, you're going to have this peace in your life. It, I started to under, really understand this a few years ago. And, you know, we, we, live, we live in a nice neighborhood. We were blessed. We bought a house for like a third of what it was worth at the time. And, and we sold the house for more than what it was worth in South Daytona. We, it was just a, a miracle. God really did something. And uh, we're in a neighborhood that we don't really financially belong. <laughs> but God put us there, right? 
So that, but the house is, is outdated. It needed a few things. And since then, we've had the house for 10 years. We put a roof and we put a brand new air conditioning in it. And we put a new hot water heater. So we put like the main things. We bought new appliances, you know, a while back. And, uh, you know, everything that it basically needed. But we have, we still have old Formica, you know, and, and uh, uh, we have uh, uh, the original cabinets are in the kitchen. Uh, our bathroom has a red countertop with pink tile. And uh, so we're like, we gotta, you know, when we first move in, it was like, and the Lord says, I just gave you this, and you're already complaining about wanting to change, right? And we just, we want to, eventually we will, but we, we just haven't, and now I don't even notice that I have a red countertop anymore. I don't even notice that the tile and the countertops are from the 70s. I don't even notice anymore because I'm so grateful to have what I have all of a sudden, the complaining went right out the window, right? It's not even that important anymore, even though we need to do it. But, it, you know, I'm, 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 I'm reiterating that so that my wife knows that I'm, I'm still on my list of things that we want to do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. I'm going to read it in two different versions. This is New King, New King James. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Look at this in the message. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 in the message. 16. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you to belong to Christ, Jesus, to live. No matter what happens, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've been uh, during our Wednesday night prayer, and, and I want to encourage you. We do have Sunday morning prayer. Uh, I noticed this morning uh, Pastor Dan is, is uh, traveling and wasn't here. He usually leads that, and then we kind of join him. Uh, but I came in to do it, and we were here praying, a couple of us. And I noticed the door in the back kept opening and people noticing that we were praying, so they went back out. I would hope that you would do the other, that when you see us praying, that you would come in and join us <laughs> in prayer, right? So know that between 10 and 10.15 or so, every Sunday morning, we're in here praying for the service. We're praying for you. Today, we prayed over uh, uh, the communion. So uh, be part of that with us. So you will never move forward in life until you're thankful for where you are. Adam and Eve were not thankful for the garden because they ate from what they were not supposed to. They went after what they, did, what they couldn't have. They had all this other stuff, and they focused on what they couldn't have. I read this. I, I posted it on Facebook. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's from the early 1900s, and uh, he, he explains something so interesting that, you know, we, the devil never goes after us to make him our God. He never tries to become our master. He always feeds our own selfishness. That's how he, go, he did it with, he, that's all he has. He wants to feed us, you know, you should have this and you should be more like God and you should, you should, you should, and you deserve this and you deserve the other and you, you, you. And God's saying, just be thankful where you're at. Just be thankful for where you're at. All that I, 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 my, 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 I want, want, want is all selfishness. It's kind of bratty. It 
We live in a society that's way too busy looking for what we don't have instead of being thankful for what we do have. I wrote this down, and, and I almost don't want to read it. I, I went to cross it out, but okay, Lord. Some of us pick restaurants according to the portions that they give. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to catch up to you, Jesse. I've seen this guy eat. I don't know where he says he's got a hollow leg he puts it into. Yeah, that's going to get filled, and then it's going to end up right here. It's going to fill up, and then it's going to like mushroom on top. That's what's going to happen. Because I was skinny too. Guys laughing at me. I used to be skinny. I got pictures. I can prove that I was skinny. I was skinny too. <laughs> what are you laughing at me for? That's not nice. I got married. I was 150 pounds. Yeah, that, I just, you just, you just be quiet. You just be quiet. He eats everything he wants and never gains a pound. It's terrible. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all, above all, above all, these things put on love, which is the bond of, per of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. After he says all that, and be thankful. This word and is very close to, in, in the Greek language, to the word with, which is actually moves the word thankfulness to the beginning of the phrase. So in all these things, do all these things, the most important love, but love with thankfulness, right? Get along with each other. How? With thankfulness. I'm thankful for you. This morning I was praying and praying for you guys. I was praying for all the people that weren't going to show up this morning. Instead of getting upset, I was thankful for them. See, we see Paul writing this letter in the church to Colossae, and he's in prison. Someone in prison is, re is telling, uh, writing a letter to the church in Colossae and telling them, be thankful, relax, right? Rejoice. See, when he tells the Philippians, rejoice, again I say, what? Rejoice. And he's in prison. If you could write a letter from prison and send it to your people, Get me out of here! <laughs> Exclamation mark, right? Come on, get me out of here. No, he tells them, rejoice. Rejoice. He tells them, be thankful in all things. He writes this letter to correct some things in the church so that the Christians of the time would not lose their testimony. Very important. Sounds familiar? Galatians does the same thing. He begins by calling them the elect of God, holy and beloved. And then he tells them how to properly behave so that they would be known as the church of God, not as the mixture. That's the English word for this word that they used to use to talk about the church that was mixed between uh, Judaism and the law, Mosaic law and, Christ, and being a Christian and being uh, Messianic. 
It was a mixture. Galatians was a mixture. The, word, the church in Galatia, when he writes, he says, you have two gospels, and one of them is not the gospel at all. What is he telling them? You guys have added all these works and all these things. You don't even get along with each other. How are you going to represent me? How are you going to represent the church? You don't even get along. So he tells them, get along. Be loving towards one another. Give when somebody has a need. Do all these things. And what? Be thankful. The prescription for anxiety is thanksgiving. Not turkey. Not the, whatever that chemical is that's in the turkey. Right? That you sit there and you drool on yourself, right? That's only me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Philippians 4. Rejoice. There he is. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. There it is. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that word with is the word meta which is a root word for the one I was speaking of earlier. It says after or behind is what it means. Thanksgiving, Eucharistia, rich with grace or rich with thanksgiving. It says the giving of thanks with puts the thanksgiving before that whole phrase. Let your prayers and supplications, prayers and supplications, and we pray and we, and we ask God for these things and, and then it doesn't happen and we get mad. How about praying and being thankful? I don't have it as part of my message here, but thanksgiving is part of your faith. It's part about having faith. Have you ever been thankful for something that you haven't gotten yet? That's faith. You pray for a healing, and you stand on the Word of God, and, so, and your elders lay hands on you, and you believe in the Word, and then what do you do? You wait a few minutes and then you pray again because it didn't happen. No, be thankful that it already happened. No matter how you feel, no matter what, what's going on with your body and your mind, no matter what you see, we walk by faith, not by, right? So I'm going to be thankful already because it's a done deal. Thanksgiving builds your faith. Don't let your giving of thanks become dull or powerless. Thanksgiving is something that's very powerful. Thanksgiving should be shot out of a cannon. <laughs> First Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. This Hebrew word of giving thanks means to throw, shoot, or cast the giving of thanks. It's not a thank you. It's not a dribbling off the bottom lip. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. Blah, blah, blah. No, it's thank you, Lord. Woohoo! Right? You can add my woohoo behind it if you want. Everybody says, You say woohoo a lot. I was like, Yeah, I'm just excited. Thank you, Lord. It should be thank you. Not thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sir. I may have another. <laughs> All the military guys are like, ah, right? It's not like you get your spanking. Thank you, sir. May I have another? It's not that thank you. It's 
Thank you, Lord. Can things be much worse? Absolutely. Absolutely. Things are much worse for many other people in the world. There's people with a lot less than what we have in this country, and they're more thankful than we've ever been. I've met some of those people. Let your thanksgiving be shot out of a cannon. Let it be thank you, Lord, not thank you, Lord. Thanksgiving will keep you next to your master, Luke 17. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village there, uh, met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted their voice and said, Jesus. Right? They were praying. They were having supplication. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. Against the law, by the way. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. They did something for their own, through their own faith for the miracle to happen. And one of, one, how many were there? Ten. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him Eucharist, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Sometimes when you're in, you know, we talked about being in or out. You're in Christ. You think that you're better. Right? I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. I'm going to heaven one day. All these sinners out there. I was one of the worst, yeah. I think that's why we were talking about this the other day. Why did God pick Paul? Because he was good at being bad. So he figured he'll be good at being good, right? I was good at being bad. <laughs> Thanksgiving will keep you next to your master. So he gave him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten of you, ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this, what? Foreigner. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, I've said in the past that faith is a law. That's why you see sometimes people believe in other things other than the Bible, but their faith is, is faith. And because faith is a law, they receive miracles. Things happen outside of Christianity. Did you not know that? Faith is, is a law. But that will cost them something. Our faith in Christ cost him something, and all we have to do is receive it. That's the difference. He came back to Jesus, the Samaritan. Some people say he was Samaritan, so he didn't go to the priest because he wasn't going to be allowed anyway. I think he was just grateful. Because he was on his way with the other nine, wasn't he? And when he got healed, he was like, why am I going to go see the priest? The priest didn't do anything for me. I'm going to go back to the guy that did something for me. And I'm going to be grateful for him. What do we do when we get what we want? We forget the one that gave it to us. That's what happens. We think that we did everything. 
I always tell this testimony because I used to be this way. Uh, Miami, uh, the city of Miami is a very materialistic. There's several other cities in the U.S. like that. But these cities that are rich and there's a lot of people and there's cars and there's houses. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to live in Miami now because, you know, a house that we bought for $84,000 is selling for $750,000 now. I mean, this was back in the 90s. But still, that's a big, you know, I'm, I'm like kicking myself because I'm thinking if I would have just rented that out for... 10 or 15 years, I'd be making pretty money right now, right? People can't even live anymore. It's so expensive down there. Yet you see them driving Mercedes. You see them. There's an area down there called Cocoplong. And it's it's Millionaire Row. I mean, it's a, a they have a, a gate out front, and then all the houses are millions dollars plus. There were a million plus back in the 90s, so they got to be into the millions and millions now. And they did a survey, and they went and, and interviewed some of these people that lived there. And they said 75% of the people that lived in a neighborhood like that were living week to week. I have left, lived week to week, and it was not in a $10 million home. I have lived week to week. And it was not like that. What do they do? They make a lot of money, so they buy more stuff, and they live more, and their mortgages are... Be, and, and if they just if they lost half of what they made... And they had, a, you know, half of what they made is still 20 times what I make, right? If they lost half of what they made, they would lose everything, their house, their cars, everything. It's all a facade because you're only thankful for a little while. And what happens? I want more. That's not a relationship. God's not a sugar daddy. So Thanksgiving will keep you next to your master. I want to stay next to him, Right? All ten men received healing, but only one, the Samaritan, was thankful. I have one more, but before that, I want to tell you a story. And some of you are going to roll your eyes at me because you've heard the story a hundred times. And, but it's a good story. Some of you haven't heard it. So when I was in a, a Bible college, there was a gentleman. He was an Alabama uh, highway trooper, and he gave up his job to open a church. And uh, he, he may still have that church in Alabama. And he, he would come to teach a plantings class, uh, a, a church plantings class. Planting is what we do. Church planting class. We had a couple classes about planting churches, growing churches, things like that. So he came in to teach, and he did one or two classes, and he told this story. I'll never, ever forget it. So he lived in Alabama. He lived out in the country. He had to take a dirt road to get to where he lived. And, you know, he had several acres, and, and he had a fence around his whole property. And he had these two dogs. And uh, he had them since they were small, puppies. And he built this, you know, they kept getting out, and he had to go find them and all that. So he built this, this he put down a, a concrete slab and put a big tall fence around it. Have you ever seen those? They keep the dogs in while they're away from the house. So he would go to work in the morning. He'd put his two dogs into this, this caged area, and then he would go to work. And he'd drive his truck to, to the church, and then he would come back in the afternoon, and uh, he would release those two dogs, and they would run right out to the fence by the road, and they would run. I mean, they ran up and down that fence so much that they, they dug a ditch. You ever seen that around a per person's property, that the dogs run so much nothing grows there because they're always running on it? One day he's coming down his dirt road, he's on his way home, it's in the afternoon, and, and he looks in the ditch, you know, the, there's always ditches on the side of these dirt roads, and he looks and there's a, a dog laying there that got hit by a car. 
So he pulls over and he's thinking, you know, I don't, I don't know if this dog's even alive, but if he's not, I got to get him out of here. He's going to stink up our neighborhood if he's dead, you know. And so he goes and he notices the dog's still breathing. So he throws the dog, he puts the dog in the back of his truck and he takes him to the vet. And the vet tells him, oh, he's going to be okay. He just has this, that, and the other. So he, he goes, this is what you got to do. And he, and he takes the dog home, and he nurses him back to health. So now he's got three dogs. And he puts the dog into the cage with the other two dogs. Now they're all healthy, all doing good. And he comes home one day, like he always does. He drives into his driveway, closes the front gate, goes up, and then he goes, and he always lets the dogs out so he can, you know, so he, oh, who let the dogs out? So he... I figure if you're thinking it, I'll say it, and that way we can just get it over with and move on. So he opens the gate, and he goes inside, grabs himself a, a cup of a, a sweet tea, and he comes and he sits in the front porch on his little rocker because he's going to relax, and, and he looks out there, and there's his two dogs, the two that he had from when they were babies. And he's looking around and says, man, I wonder what happened to the other dog. And when he looks, the dog is sitting right next to him on the front porch just looking up at him. And he goes, he did that day after day after day. He goes, I would open that gate, and my two dogs that I owned from when they were babies, they would run out to the, to the gate, to the fence, and they would run up against the fence trying to see what's on the other side of the fence, what's on the other side of the fence. The dog that knew what was on the other side of the fence didn't want anything to do with it. He would sit right next to me. Why? Because he was grateful for what that man did. A dog, an animal with instinct, went and sat right next to his owner because he had rescued him, he had loved him, and he had taken care of him. We should be thankful for what God has done for us. We should be next to our God and our Lord all the time. We should be grateful. You know, the, the communion, we come up to these tables and it says, do this in remembrance of me. What is he trying to do? He's trying to take you back to that day. I remember that day, June 21st, 1987. I gave my life to the Lord, and I was complete. I've been thankful ever since. Now, there's other areas in my life that I have not been thankful in, and I've had to learn, and you know. But for my salvation and for what God did for me, I've been thankful every day of my life. That I can never say I wasn't thankful for. Have I learned? Have I grown? And now I'm thankful for whatever I have? Absolutely. You know, I, I was driving to the airport on Thursday, and I was in my wife's car because uh, my car makes my mother-in-law seasick. So uh, I drive I drive a Cadillac, but it's an older Cadillac, and it probably costs less than most of your cars, so don't get all stinky on me now. But uh, I drive an old Cadillac, and I have a friend that is the the manager of a Cadillac dealership, and he gives them to me at trade-in prices, and I always get a good price. That's why I drive a Cadillac. He said, oh, the pastor drives a Cadillac. He must be taking the people's money. Yeah, that's a bunch of baloney, okay? <laughs> if you would like to buy one, I'll take you over there, and, and you can get a good price, okay? And then we can both drive one. But, you know, they drive, they kind of float down the road, you know? That's what I like about them. I like, I like big cars. I, I cannot lie. But... <laughs> So you're driving it down the, down the road, and it floats, so she gets seasick. So we say, okay, we can't drive my car. We're going to drive the van. So we get in the van. The van's paid for, by the way. We finally paid the car off, and we've been months. I'm using what I used to do that. I'm paying off my car. 
And we're, we're driving down the street, and I see the, I look at the, the odometer, yeah, odometer. It says 120, almost 130,000 miles. I've never owned a car that long. 100, 110,000, take it back, trade it in, get a newer, not a brand, I never buy brand new, but I always get a newer car. I would always do that. I would, we would just do that and stay with the car payment. But we have been so grateful for what God has done in our lives and what he has given us. That I'm, we're gonna drive, I'm gonna drive both our cars into the ground until it's not worth fixing anymore. Because we did have to put a transmission in it, which was expensive. But, but now I don't have a car payment, and she has a, she has a decent car. It's not a bad car. I was like, how God changes you and how He changes your heart, right? Because I came out of a place that you know I was raised upper middle class, and uh, my wife was was raised with everything she ever needed in her life. But it was different being in a third world country. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So it was a little different for us when we got married and I said, let's buy anything we want. And she's like, we don't have any money. I says, that never stopped me before. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, but I had to learn. I had to learn. And I did. Thank God for my wife that helped me. Yeah. The last one, and then we're going to have communion. Thankful people are giving people. Thankful people are giving people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 through 12. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Not bread, but seed. Oh, can I preach that? And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supply the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Many expressions. Not only will that your giving overflow, like your giving just overflowed into other people. People are going to sit on Thanksgiving and they're going to have a turkey and food and all that because you gave. They're going to be thankful. Your Thanksgiving caused you to be able to give so someone else could be thankful. Talk about planting a seed. And it says that God doesn't supply the bread. It says he supplies the seed. And I'll never forget this. Uh, we had a, a visiting pastor come uh, in, in our church in Miami and he, he had a handful of seed. And he says, you could hear, God has given you a handful of seed. Now, you can take the seed and eat it, or you can take the seed and plant it. And you eat it, and God would probably give you a little more seed so that you can continue to have to eat. In other words, he could give you bread, but instead of giving you bread, he gives you seed. That's why he calls your giving a seed. When you plant your seed, it shall come back to you in many ways. He's talking about giving. You can eat your seed or you can plant it. I prefer to plant it because then I'll have seed to give to you and to give to anybody in need. Then I'll have seed to be able to spread. Whenever you see somebody in need, every time I see a veteran, I, in, I have to be careful because I'm spending a little too much money, but if I'm at, I, try, I stay away from Denny's because they seem to all go there, and then I end up buying them all breakfast. But they get a discount. Yeah, they, they 
spend three dollars in gas to get a one dollar discount. So, um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean that. But uh, uh, I go into these places. So I was in Graham's Kitchen right down the street here, and uh, I know some of you don't like her, like them or whatever, but I do. So I went down there and, and I walked in and, and they were you know just one. I said, yeah, I'm the only one that liked you. No, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. So I said, yeah, just one. And there's a, a gentleman, older gentleman, and he had his Vietnam uh, veteran hat on, and he was making his way to the to the counter. So the lady goes, come, I'll sit you over here. I said, just give me a second. So I walked over and I shook his hand and I said, thank you so much. And I just stood there because I'm waiting for people to leave. I don't do anything to, I don't want people to. I don't want to attract attention to myself. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it. And nobody was leaving. And I'm tempted if I don't do this now. So I shook his hand and I yanked the, the, the ticket, you know, his, his uh, bill out of his other hand. And I said, I got this. I said, thank you for your service. He goes, thank you. And he walked out the door. Usually they argue with me. No, I got it. No, I say, just because you can doesn't mean that I can't. Right? Just because you can cover your bill doesn't mean that you shouldn't let me cover it. You know, it's a small gesture, right? And then, oh, that was it. All the waitresses were bringing me, you know, everything. And they were like, that was so nice of you. You're so, you know, and, and I was treated. And I was like, this is not why I did this. I said, now I receive my reward. You messed me up. <laughs> I didn't want to receive my reward by getting good service. I just wanted to, right? I just wanted to do something for someone who laid down their life for my freedom. When you're thankful that way, you want to give. When you're grateful for people around you, you want to give. It's just the way it is. It's kind of the thermometer. You want to know if you're a grateful person? Ask yourself if you're a giver. Or are you always trying to gather so that you can have the things that you can be thankful for for about three months? Ever buy a brand new car? Three months later, you pull up to a stop sign or a red light, and a car pulls up next to you that's nicer than yours. You say, oh, that's a nice car. Your car's not so nice anymore. Kind of lost that new car smell, right? Can't wait for, or if you have a lease, can't wait for the three years to be over so I can go get a new one. We, listen, I'm not picking on you. I'm telling you this is how I was. This is how I, I you know, it's how I was. But being thankful... I'm a rich man. You go, you go from have what you think having need is to being rich just by turning your heart to, to being grateful. You do. I'll say it again. And, and some uh, old rock church people know this saying because they, they, they've heard it many times. But an attitude of gratitude will increase the value of everything. We call these things Fredisms. Right? An attitude of gratitude increases the value of everything. If what you have you think is not good enough, be thankful for what you have, and then all of a sudden it's more than good enough. And it's the same thing you had before. Right? It's the same thing you had before. I recommend, I don't know if it's on YouTube or not, but Miles Monroe preached a message called How to Attract Plenty. don't really like that title, but... Um, he, the whole message is about what you do with what you have will determine what you have tomorrow. Be faithful in the little, and he will put you in the much. And in, in his awesome way of speaking, you asking God for a new car, and you don't take care of the one you got. All right? 
You're asking God for a new house, and you need a paint job, and your closets are all cluttered and things, and you're not even taking care of the one you got. How's God going to trust you with a nicer house? And why, how do you take care of things when you're thankful for them? I remember, I guess Kyle's the only, I can't consider him my son, but he's the only, I don't, I don't see any of my other kids here. So um, when we would help our kids, like we would, I gave my car to uh, Erica, and then she gave the same car to Evelyn. We were hoping that car would make it to Ricky, but after they wrecked it like five or six times, it just, <laughs> the guy wouldn't fix it anymore. It was terrible. But uh, it was a Kia Spectra, by the way. You had to crank the windows, you know. But it was all hoochied up. It had uh, low-profile low tires, you know, and it had, uh, it had three uh, kicker tens in the back with a 1,000-watt amp. And, uh, you know, I did all kinds of stuff to it. I was a little younger then. That car was loud. But uh, anyway, uh, we passed it down and passed it down and passed it down. And you know what? They didn't take care of those cars. That car, they didn't take care of the ones we helped them get. They didn't take care of the ones that we gave them. When they started paying for their own, they still didn't take care. No. <laughs> it's different when you pay for it yourself than when somebody gives you something that didn't cost you anything. I'm grateful for, to God for what cost him everything, my Lord Jesus. And with that thought, we're going to have communion today, so I'm going to ask the elders to make their way up. They're going to serve us this morning. We have a table on either side, so if you wouldn't mind, just pick up. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.